What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network. I am Noah Hiles, and joining me for a special edition, a special episode, is a guy who really doesn't need an introduction if you've watched any type of football in the last couple of decades, starting from his time at Pittsburgh and then his long career in the NFL. It is Larry Fitzgerald who joins the show. Larry, thank you so much for coming on, my man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Noah. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I hope you had a, a great weekend and I uh, look forward to having a conversation with you. Absolutely, man. I'm ready to get into it. So, Larry, normally when I have a retired athlete on, I kind of start things off by saying, you know, or asking, hey, what, what are you up to now? But I feel like if I asked you that question, it would take <laughs> up all of our time. So just just looking through everything you're doing with the with the, all the investments, with the foundation, with the media stuff you do. How do you summarize what you're doing and, and how you spend your time now that you're no longer a professional athlete? Well, I mean, I just stay like to stay active and stay busy, um, continue to push myself in, uh, in different mediums and not be a, uh, not allow myself to be pigeonholed into, you know, anything. So you know, I'm very intellectually curious and, and I really enjoy, you know, just uh, learning and being around people who are doing fascinating things and, um, you know, so it doesn't matter if it's in the restaurant space, it's multifamily, uh, venture capital, private equity, you know, it's things that I really enjoy doing and learning about. So um, if I were to describe it, it was one thing I would just say active. Yeah. And and so yeah. just just looking at all of this stuff, I mean, does it ever feel like it's too much? Do you feel like you're more busy now than when you were playing at times or no? Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm definitely much, much busier, but um, I would say it's. Uh, definitely more gratifying and rewarding now. I mean, I think when you're an athlete, you're, you're kind of, you know, your head's in the sand a bit. You're only focused on, on that. You know, I can do a lot more in terms of um, my involvement, you know, especially like in my foundation or doing work that is actually really meaningful and actually does change people's lives in a positive way. And so you know, being able to engage in those type of activities um, really is, is rewarding and fulfilling for me. Um, and so, like, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, people ask how you, how's retirement? And I would say I'm nowhere near retirement. Um, this is definitely just a transition into, into other things that I've been preparing myself for for many years. All right. So let, let's get to where it all started. I guess not technically where it all started, but where the, the journey that a lot of people are familiar with started mm -hmm. at the University of Pittsburgh. Um, I just got to know, I, I, I did a lot of research for this. I couldn't really find what exactly brought you to Pitt, Larry. What, what, what attracted you to come play for the Panthers? Well, it was a, it was a long winter story. I don't know how much time we have on this interview, um, but I was doing like some unofficial visits with my coach, uh, God rest his soul. His name was Ed Cole. He was our offensive coordinator in, in high school. And uh, we were driving out to go, you know, we stopped at a couple of different schools on the way out to Pitt. Um, we were just planning to stay the night actually in Pittsburgh. Had no intention of actually going to the University of Pittsburgh. I was being recruited pretty heavily by Joe Paterno and Penn State. Al Golden was my recruiting person there. And um, they ended up closing the turnpike going to to Happy Valley because it was a really, really bad um, rainstorm. So we ended up having to stay the night in Pittsburgh and Coach Paterno's office called us and said, hey, can we move our meeting back until, you know, later in the evening, you know, around four or five o'clock uh, that next day. And so we agreed. And so that gave us pretty much all morning to kind of do whatever we wanted. And so my coach was like, hey, we should just go stop in and visit Pitt. You know, Dan Marino, Dor uh, Tony Dorsett, Curtis Martin, um, you know, 
he just went on down the list of the great players that have played there. And so we stopped by. And this is before the new facility had been done. So they weren't even on the south side yet. They were in Sutherland Hall. You know, I was kind of like their, you know, makeshift offices. So we went over there, got a chance to meet, you know, Brian Dill and Walt Harris and J.D. Brookhart and um, uh, developed a really great relationship from that point on. They started recruiting me or offering me a scholarship not long after. And, um, and that's kind of how it started. Interesting. So uh, I believe it was this summer, Coach Narduzzi posted some highlights from practice of you that hadn't been released before. And th- those were those, those got a lot of traction on social media, uh, brought up a lot of memories for Pitt fans watching you play. But I'm curious, you know, what, what are some of the earlier memories that you have as your time as a Pitt Panther? Maybe something that we didn't see on TV or read about in the many things that have been written about you. Yeah, I mean, I just I just really look fondly on my experiences in the city, um, you know, the relationships I was able to develop with people on campus and um, administration, you know, just everybody was so kind to me. They took me and made me feel like I was one of them. That's the one thing I really admire about people from Pittsburgh. It's uh, just a sense of community and the blue collar work ethic of the other people in the city. Um, you know, it's something I really admire. But, you know, the relationships that uh are the thing that I look back on and and I'm I'm so fond about it. It's one of the things that I'm I'm really looking forward to going back for um, the Hall of Fame induction is being able to see some of those people that I haven't seen in a long time, just to be able to look them in the eyes and tell them thank you for the many things they did to to enhance my life um, on the field and off the field. And, you know, that's something I um, I'm really, really looking forward to doing. But, you know, my relationship with guys like Tyler Palco and Rod Rutherford and, and Tory Cox and, um, Lusaka Polite and Penny Samaya and so many other of my teammates who really poured into me, especially after losing my mother, you know, my freshman year in spring ball, those guys really just kind of put their arms around me. And, you know, there was times that, that I, I questioned if I was going to continue to play, you know, I was so, so hurt. And those guys just wrapped me with love and, you know, still keeping up with those guys and checking on me, sending me, sending me, you know, cars of their families for Christmas and, you know, all of that stuff means so much to me. So, I mean, you talked about it. You're you're going to be enshrined into the Pitt Athletics Hall of Fame. Uh, I think the enshrinement ceremony will take place on the 22nd of September. You'll be honored uh, the following afternoon at uh, Pitt's home game against North Carolina. So let's talk about where that Hall of Fame career started, your, your redshirt freshman year at Pitt. Um, a couple of things, specific games, I should say, that I want to get into. But before that, I mean, when did you feel things really started to click for you? I mean, it, it seemed like you kind of just took off and never really looked back. But when when did it feel like, wow, I can really make an impact for this team at this level immediately? I would say it first really happened for me in spring spring ball, not spring ball, but fall ball when I came in. And, you know, I really kind of felt like I had a good rapport with the quarterbacks. I was making, you know, some plays. They were giving me an opportunity to, to get on the field early. Um, and so my confidence is building every single day. You know, obviously the the jump, you know, for me from high school to college was much harder than the jump from college to the pros, in my opinion. You know, just because I came from Minnesota, you know, I came from pretty small football and, um, and you know, I get to college and practicing three times a day. My body physically just wasn't, you know, ready for the rigors, um, intensity of the game, but I still was making plays, you know, every day. And, you know, it was, it was giving me confidence. And I don't think I really kind of 
you know, knew how talented I could be until, you know, our second game, you know, we played a home game against Texas A&M and I, and I had a, I had a nice day that day. And, you know, I think from that point on, I, I knew I could compete at that level and I knew I had a chance to, you know, do something special if I continued to focus. You, you know, I felt like every game that season, you kind of made a bigger name for yourself, but I, I think the nation really learned who Larry Fitzgerald was in that win over Virginia Tech. Uh, that season. Can, can you just, you know, take me through what that victory, you know, going down to Blacksburg, uh, taking on the number three team in the country and beating them. What was that like, you know, as a younger guy, first season of college football to experience that? Well, it was great. You know, I felt like we were really prepared well. Coach Harris and his staff did a great job of getting us ready to to play. And, um, you know, I, I don't think there was anybody on that team that didn't feel like we had a chance to win that ball game. Right. Um, they were highly ranked. They had, you know, some terrific players on that team. But, you know, I knew that, you know, pound for pound that we can complete, we can compete with anybody. And, uh, you know, Rod had a spectacular game doing it with his arm and with his feet. The defense stepped up big, you know, really kind of negating that powerful running game that they had. And, um, you know, it was, it was tough to play there. I mean, that, that place was electric, you know, especially for a night game. And, um, you know, I tried to contribute best I could, and uh, it was enough to be able to get by. You know, that memory is always funny. When I talked to my dad, you know, my dad got out there. He didn't know it was going to be that cold. Uh, he had no, jack no jacket on. I remember him, like, just having snot, like, running down his nose and shivering when he saw me. He was so happy and cold at the same time, but it was uh, one of the more memorable uh, experiences. I always joke with my dad about that, how, how cold he was in Blacksburg. <laughs> That's funny. So another game I wanted to ask. Uh, about that season and, and more particularly just the opponent uh, you guys played Miami and mm -hmm. uh, you know over the last I feel five ten years that team gets talked about so often with the talent that was on there and uh, I mean it was across the board but obviously they had a lot of dudes in that secondary what was that like for you to go go up against that loaded roster and compete as a freshman yeah, it was fun. It was exciting. Um, I think everybody understood that they had a guy, they had a bunch of guys, not even guys, not even guys that had been going to get on the field yet were going to be playing the National Football League. They were a complete powerhouse. And, you know, I knew that if you wanted to make a name for yourself, the fastest way to do that was, you know, to go out there and compete and play well against, you know, so many great athletes. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to pull the victory off, but I think you know, playing them, I think it gave us a lot of confidence as a team to know that we can compete with the very best in, in, in the college football, the most talented athletic group maybe ever assembled, um, you know, that, that Miami team. And I remember Chris Carter being on the sidelines and it's the, the electricity in the Orange Bowl. And, you know, it's one of my greatest memories in college being able to go out there and play. You know, you think about all the big games, Super Bowls. Uh, Orange Bowls and you know, all just the classic games that have been played in our stadium and to be a part of that, um, to be on that field was uh, was spectacular. Do you think that group of Miami players was the most talented college football team ever assembled? Yeah, I would definitely, if they're not the most, I would definitely put them in the conversation. You know, they, I mean, from Willis McGahee to Andre Johnson and, I mean, he, Sean Taylor and Kellen Winslow and Jonathan Vilma and um, Bernie Carey, you know, I mean, you can just go on and yeah, on and on and on. Listen, and, and that, and then we're not even talking about the guys who were on that team but weren't right. playing yet, like you know, the John Beesons and Antrell Rolls. And I mean, like, it, it was just such a talented, talented group of players. And, um, you know, to uh, Frank Gore was on that team, you know, mm -hmm. 
third or fourth leading rusher in the National Football League. He wasn't even on the field yet. I mean, so I mean, they had, they had, they had a gluttony of talent, and um, you know, it definitely was in that conversation the most talented. So, Larry, I like many other people have spent some time watching your highlights at, at uh, during your time at Pitt. Your final game as a freshman, you made a snag against Oregon State in the Inside Bowl. Uh, gets brought up, you know, in any highlight package of Pitt football history. Where does that catch rank for you? I mean, you, you've made a lot of catches throughout your career from when you started to when you finished. Is that is that one of the top ones you think that one against Oregon State? Yeah, I definitely believe it was it was one of the better ones I made. And I think his catches all have to do with um, not only the difficulty of the catch, but the timing of it. Right. You know, I made a lot of really great one hand behind them had catches for a first down in the first quarter of a of a game we should have won. Right. You know, but that game was closely contested. You know, it was a bowl game. And, um, you know, it was it was in, it was uh, I think it was right before the half, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, but it was a, it was a big play to be able to put us in, in the league going into the half. And so, you know, I, I think a lot about that play and the momentum it gave us, you know, going into that second half. But it, it definitely would be one of my favorite catches I made. My personal favorite catches you made were on the Sports Center commercial where you're just walking through the <laughs> office catching everyone. I wanted to sidebar for that. Who, who came up with that idea and how receptive were you when uh, they pitched it to you there? Oh, you know, honestly, I don't know who came up with that uh, that commercial idea, but you know, I, I had a I had a lot of fun, um, and it was it took a few takes for some of the catches, you know, because it's like the the weight distribution of catching the cheerleader, and <laughs> you know, like all of the things that they had me doing. It was sometimes it was a little a little weird, but um, it was a it was a fun day um, to 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 do that, and I had fun with Jay too. Um, you know, one of the hosts and good friend to, a friend of mine still to this day. We kept in contact from that. Um, but uh, yeah, it definitely was a, was a great day. I had, I had so much fun on set and uh, you know, let me kind of bring out my personality a bit. You, you said it was, it was difficult. You didn't drop the cheerleader. Did you on any of the, no, okay. no, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't. No, that would have, that would have went against the entire premise of the yeah. commercial. So. <laughs> right, no, we'll but I've, never, I've never, I've never caught like anybody that was like, you know, 90 pounds before, you know, I've, I've caught <laughs> yeah. <up> things, never. <laughs> We'll keep it moving now to your your second season with Pitt. Um, just one game I want to talk about, and it's against an opponent we've already mentioned. The Virginia Tech win your second season in Pittsburgh. First time college game days on Pitt's campus. I think you guys had been going through a little bit of a slump at that period of time, but that marked, a, I think, really a huge win in that era of Pitt football. Um, I've talked. I did a story last year on just a whole bunch of fans and former players kind of reflecting on the chaos that led into that day, the chaos that followed after that win. You just take me through your point of view of that entire night. Uh, just, it seems like a really special one for anyone who was around the pit football program when you were there. Yeah. I, I, I have so many fond memories from that night, you know, from, you know, the bus ride over from the hotel, you know, walking through just to see a fan as we, entered to the stadium. Uh, I still remember the suit that I had on, um, you know, walk, walking in and, and just walking into the, to Heinz Field and seeing just all the people. I mean, it was like the first time that I feel like we played in front of a sellout crowd. I mean, it was every single seat was was filled to capacity and the energy in the building. I feel like you could cut it with a knife. And, um, you know, I remember looking over and seeing Frank Beamer getting his, getting his boys going and, um, 
you know, it was uh, it was an exciting, exciting moment. And I remember when uh, we scored a go ahead touchdown, I think it was Brandon Maurice scored it. And I remember like tackling, you know, Matt Morgan and Lusaka Polite and just just being a 19 year old and didn't know how to control his emotions. I was tackling my own teammates. I was <laughs> I was so giddy from uh, from that. And, uh, yeah, it was a, it was an awesome game, one that I remember fondly and then going back to Oakland and having a good party. You know, I, I don't think I went to bed until like four o'clock that night. So it was it was a it was a fun time. That's uh, a lot of the people that I spoke with for that story. I talked to a lot of people who were students at Pitt and a lot of them said that was one of the best nights of their life. Probably the most fun yeah. they had during their time at Pitt. I'm assuming that would probably fall into that category. One of the funnest nights you had as a college student. Oh, yeah, man. We was over at the at the O. I had a couple of sandwiches and members just bar hopping and it was it was fun everywhere we went it was it was love shown and um that was definitely one of the better nights ever had so larry throughout your final season at Pitt, it actually started prior to that but you had this touchdown streak and i i mean i remember i was in elementary school when it was going on but i remember watching each week and you feel like beginning of the season it would get brought up but by the end of the season, it was like the lead thing they would talk about on a pit game. It was, here's Larry Fitzgerald. He's got a touchdown in X amount of games in a row. Will it happen again? And in a year where Pitt kind of had pretty high expectations and it didn't necessarily play out as, as well as some had hoped, that just became the focal point of the season is what can this guy do week to week? What, what was that like for you throughout that entire process the all every game 18 games in a row scoring a touchdown did you did you ever start to resent that type of attention did 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 you feel that pressure as that streak continued to unfold no I didn't I really didn't feel the pressure but I know my teammates wanted it for me I could feel it you know through the game guys were really working hard to try to give me opportunities and um you know so I, I mean I didn't feel it personally it wasn't something I was shooting for every single week, but I knew my teammates wanted me to have it. And so it gave me extra motivation to, to, to show up and show out, you know, every single every single time I was on the field. But um, it was really cool to be able to experience that, you know, with so many guys, because for me to catch a touchdown, so many things have to go right. I have to run the right route and be effective. My route offensive lineman has to block. My other teammates have to run routes to be able to create space and opportunity for me. Rod obviously has to make the throw. You know, so many things have to go right. And, you know, so for it to happen, and uh and go in the right direction you know every time for you know 17 18 times in a row you know that's pretty that's pretty difficult to do so I, I really appreciate it you know what went into making it happen so toward the end of your time in pit a lot of awards were given out obviously you came very close to winning that Heisman trophy and I'm sure you've been asked a ton of different questions about it oh you were you surprised I know I saw the clip where Eli asked you what was going through your head and you're and you replied I'm just happy Eli didn't win uh which I <laughs> found that answer pretty funny but I, I guess my question is on the Heisman note do you feel like things would have unfolded differently for you afterward had you won it do you, do you feel like maybe the Raiders would have drafted you rather than the Cardinals had you won that Heisman trophy or I, I mean it couldn't have improved your draft stock that much but do you feel like that that might have changed your path at all had you won that trophy no no i don't think so i i think the you know the, the chargers giants trade would have still happened you know the quarterbacks are always the most important and um you know i think the raiders were all along they wanted to they wanted to go in offensive line i didn't really fit the raider mode you know they were more of like a the, the top end speed receiver type 
um, team. They liked Al Davis, really like guys who were really, really fast. So I didn't really fit, you know, that that mold. So I don't think it would have changed my my draft stock at all. And you know, initially I was I was like disappointed just because of the simple fact that you know I would have been the first peer receiver without any return without any return capabilities to win it. So I was uh, would have been the first sophomore I think at the time. So those have been a lot of firsts that would have been really cool to have. But you know, it wasn't in the cards for me that year. Um, you know, and so I you know, I chalk it up and I put it behind me and just focus on the things that I could control. Looking back at it, I mean, how happy are you that you didn't fit that Raider mold and you weren't one of those fast guys that Al Davis wanted? Uh, I mean, I feel like I would have put together a great career anywhere I went. You know, I, I don't really look at it as if, like, Arizona didn't have any – I mean, I didn't go and play with, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback for, you know, all of my career. You know, I mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of pieced it together year by year. And, you know, I, you know, with that said, I probably – could have done that in many different places, you know, if I would have been able to stay healthy and, you know, be able to do the things that I, I know I was capable of doing. So I don't, I don't really look at it as, you know, would it have been better here or there? You know, I, I, um, you know, I like to think that I could have played for any team and helped to make a contra- contribution. Okay. So, I mean, looking at that draft class, I mean, there, there are a lot of names in that class that are going to be wearing gold jackets one day. Uh, where mm-hmm. do you, do you feel like that that's probably, one of, if not the best draft classes in football history, when you go down and you, you know, you look at the quarterbacks, you look at yourself, other guys like Sean Taylor, Vince Wilfork, other names. Where, do you feel like that that's one of the best and you take pride in being in that class? Definitely. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's one of the better classes to, to come through. Um, you know, I still keep in contact with quite a few of the guys that, that played and, and there's definitely a few guys who will, will get gold jackets out of that group. Um, you know, uh, Jared Allen was a, I think a late fourth round, mm-hmm. a th- late third round pick. I think he's got 140 something sacks. You know, he put together a, a really, really great career. Obviously, Eli and Phillips uh, and and Ben um, are going to be in the conversation. So, I mean, there's a lot of talented, talented players that came through. Jason Peters was in our class as well. I think he was um, he was a late uh, round draft pick out of Arkansas to to the Buffalo bills. And, you know, so we got, we got some talent that came through. Yeah. I mean, I just look back at it and like, that's kind of the class that for someone in their twenties now, Mm -hmm. that class just gave us the football players that we watched for our entire life. And it's, it's kind of crazy where you mentioned the talent, but just the longevity, every guy that you named played a very long time in the NFL for at a high level. So that's, that's gotta be something that's cool to be a part of. Um, and and, the, and the, cra- the craziest, probably the, the three most talented guys in the class, um, you know, for different reasons, didn't um, didn't didn't work out. I mean, Jonathan Vilma, you know, barring the injury was I mean, the guy was unbelievable linebacker, smart, intelligent, you know, just saw the game, you know, faster and quicker than most anybody else. Uh, obviously, Sean Taylor's life was cut short, you know, through a tragic issue you know, incident, and he definitely would have been, you know, in the conversation for Hall of Famer. And then, you know, if Kellen Winslow never rides that bike, you know, and, and you know, tears up his knees and shoulders, I mean, I don't I don't know if I've ever trained and worked out with a guy who was as physically gifted as him. I mean, to be six foot four, 260, to run and catch and have that type of athleticism, you know, I, 
I don't I don't know if a Titan has ever come out that has been that gifted in that many different ways. I mean, the guy was an absolute monster. And, uh, you know, so you know, it's, it's it's almost kind of like what what could have been, you know, Tommy Harris. You know, he was a uh, defensive player of the year that year came out of Oklahoma, had, you know, two all pro years, you know, the first two seasons and then, you know, hurt his knee. You know, so I mean, they, they had some guys that could could really, really go. So, Larry, I want to talk to you like we talked about earlier in the show. You're a part of Pitt's 2023 Athletic Hall of Fame class. How did you find out about this? And, you know, what does it mean to you? It shouldn't be as a shock, but it's still got to be an honor. Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a great honor. Uh, Heather Pittsburgh's uh, athletic director gave me a call. I was riding the car, going to dinner and uh, she broke the news to me. I was. I was elated. I was very excited and happy, you know, that I could be, you know, a part of the, the great tradition of many student athletes that come to the University of Pittsburgh and left a left a mark. And I remember telling Roger Kingdom about it. You know, he's given me grief that he was a part of the first class and, you know, he was the greatest athlete to ever come through. But it was nice for me to be able to get in a few years after. And so he was giving me he busting me up a little bit. Um, but it was great to be able to, you know, great get that call and to to think, you know, you're part of the history of of, of the university, and um, you know that's a that's a really cool thing to think about and be a part of. So I think I saw you back at the practice field last year, but when, when's the last mm-hmm. time you've been back at a pit football regular season game? Did you get to go to any games last year at all? Um, I did not get to go um, last year. I went a few years ago um for a little bit i was i was in town I, I snuck in for a little bit and then before then it was when they retired my number it was uh james james winston's oh. you know heisman trophy year um that i was able to get back so i'm excited to get back this year and, and watch but hopefully we're undefeated and you know gonna take it to north carolina um you know coach narduzzi always has the boys repaired and ready to play so i'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing them do their thing i wanted to ask just on that note i mean what are your thoughts on the current state of pit football it, it seems like they've found a, a kind of maybe a new floor as far as a standard and and things are a little bit more consistent than they have been in recent years yeah coaches brought a lot of stability to the program you know just built on you know tough hard-nosed players and you know he's done a great job of you know recruiting local talent and you know developing them and putting them in the league you look around the national football league and the, the, the league the league is littered with, with players from Pittsburgh um and you know it doesn't matter where you, where you look they're they're, con- they're contributing and making big plays and it's really cool to see um coach done a great job of continuing the, the strong tradition of pit football and you know what's unique about Pittsburgh is like you know Western Pennsylvania has so much talent it always has you go back and take it all the way back to Mike Dicka and and uh you know Joe Montana and Jim Kelly and Dammer I mean it so much talent to come out of the state. And, uh, you know, if we can just keep just a few of the guys in Western Pennsylvania here at home playing for the University of Pittsburgh, you know, we, we could we could be something really, really, really special for, forever. I mean, the talent the talent is just that deep and that rich in that city. Um, and so I think he's doing a great job on the recruiting battles. You know, we can keep Penn State out of there and keep keep Maryland and keep Virginia and all the teams that come in. Notre Dame always coming in, poaching kids from Western Pennsylvania. We can keep all of them people out of there. And they come to Pitt. Uh, you, you know, we can we, we can compete for ACC championship every year. So this this Pitt Athletics Hall of Fame 
probably not going to be the last Hall of Fame you go into. Uh, you're, you were named a finalist for the College Football Hall of Fame's 2024 class. Um, Canton will probably be in the mix for you not too long after that. But just real quick, I mean, what would that mean to you to, to, to be, you know, some guys who are in that College Football Hall of Fame, they had a four or five-year career, some of them. You, you were at Pitt for two seasons. You left your mark. What would that mean for you to be recognized as one of the game's best? Well, I mean, it, it, it mean a lot to me, you know, um, you know, to be on there, especially with, you know, uh, you know, some of the wonderful players who, who are also being nominated and other players who have been inducted already. You know, it's such a, a, a strong tradition of, of players to come through the game and, and leave those marks and to be thought about, you know, in that regard, it, uh, it's humbling. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm hoping that. Uh, but I can make it this year. It'll be, it'll be wonderful to to be immortalized, you know, with so many other great players that have played and uh, made the game of college football so amazing. All right, I got three questions for you before we wrap things up. Uh, first one, I see I see you on my YouTube just on the algorithm. I feel like I see you talking about golf all the time, and you're you're competing against different guys in golf. But I also hear you're quite the chess player. Which is your better game? Which one do you enjoy, and which one do you think you're better at? Well, I, mean, I play them both all the time. I play golf probably once or twice a week, and I play chess every day a couple times. You know, um, I'm a I'm an early investor in Chess.com and um, love the growth of the game. You know, Queen's Gambit, you know, gave us an unbelievable jolt. You know, I think in the visibility and the popularity of the game. Cool thing about you know the game of chess is played all around the world, and so I get on the app and I play people from Australia and. Uzbekistan and Finland and all over the world and you get to play and uh, and learn and compete, which I really enjoy. And in golf, you know, it's like the hardest game in the world. You know, you can you can go shoot even par one day and the next day you shoot 90. It always just humbles you. Um, no game humbles you more than golf. You know, it's you never know what it is. It could be the same course, same golf ball, same outfit, same everything. And this is not the same game, uh, you know, so. It's uh, it's always challenging and humbling you, especially when you play courses like Oakmont. They really, really humble you. <laughs> I haven't had many of those uh, even par days, but I've had a lot of those 90s. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, a quick follow to that. Who, who's your favorite person you've ever golfed with? Oh, that's 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 tough. You know, I favorite person. I'll say probably my son, Devin. He's starting to get into the game now and to to see his passion for the game kind of starting to grow a little bit, you know, he hits it all over the place, but then he'll hit a couple shots. You're like, son, you got, you got a chance. You got a nice little move on you. If you put some time in, you might get better. But I, I just want to, I just like all my kids to, to, to play and get an experience. And hopefully it'll be like my father and I, we spend a lot of time on the golf course together, you know, and as you, as your parents are starting to get older, you cherish those moments when you're able to get out there and, and be able to be out, uh, you know, be able to spend an intentional time with them. So I'm hoping that my kids will will catch the addiction just like I have. Those one or two shots, that's all you need to keep coming back, right? And that's it. A couple that's of it. good ones. All right. So, Larry, obviously now uh, college athletes, they can profit off of their name, image, and likeness. What was the What would have been the dream brand deal? for Larry Fitzgerald when he was at the university of Pittsburgh, take, take me into the mind of Larry Fitzgerald. If you could have picked anything. Who, who did you, who would you have wanted a partnership with uh, as a brand deal? Oh, that's a, that's a tough, that's a tough question. Um, you know, you know, being, being from Pittsburgh, you know, maybe the Heinz company, us still, you know, something like that local that, um, 
you know, would have been cool to have some uh, affiliation with 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 them. Um, you know, just just thinking about the local 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 groups that I would have um, would have would have enjoyed. So I would say those those two probably. Okay, uh, you think you would have been on TikTok doing dances had that existed back in your day? No, no, I'm not one to do too much dancing. I got two left feet. You know, I've been I've been asked to do dancing with the stars probably like five or six times and. Every time I'm like, no, nah, I can't do it, man. I, you're not gonna have me on TV looking crazy, embarrassing myself. That's definitely what would happen if you saw me dancing. Fair enough. My final question for you, Larry. You have a great understanding of the history of Pitt football's program. If you could pick one Pitt legend to play with that could have played with you, excuse me, during your time as a Pitt football player, who would you pick? And this could be prior or after your career in Pitt. Can only pick one. You can only pick one. You can give me a couple honorable mentions, I guess. Um, I was I would say for selfish reasons, I would have probably picked Hugh Green just because he was so dominant and he would have got us the ball back a lot more opportunity. So I would have I would have been able to even put some more numbers and wins up on the board because because he was unblockable in his college time. I mean, literally unblockable. There's nobody who had any answers for him when he was on the field. Uh the most disruptive player maybe in um, in the history of college football. And um, so I would, I would probably say Hugh, I got really close with Hugh um, during my time in Pittsburgh and very kind and good man to me. And uh, so I would, I would put him up there at the top. Do you feel like not enough people know about Hugh Green? Yeah, I think the reason is because, you know, he didn't have like a dominant NFL professional mm-hmm. career. And you know, I think you see that, Sometimes people's I wouldn't say it's like diminishes their star, but you know, you look at obviously Dan Marino, the first ballot hall of famer, you look at, you know, Tony Dorset, you know, a first ballot hall of famer, Mike Dicka, first ballot hall of famer, you know, uh Darrell Revis, first ballot hall of famer, um, you know, Aaron Donald would be a first ballot hall of famer. You know, so when you when you couple like greatness in college, yeah. right, and then you just t- take it and transition into pros, it puts you in a different light for everybody. But I don't like to diminish people's star. I mean, he was he was the most dominant player, you know, in the game of football um, when he was playing at the college level. And you got to you got to give him his um, you got to give him his flowers for that. I think that's a great spot to wrap things up. Larry, thank you so much for coming on. Anything you want to promote or talk about before we wrap things up? No, I'm just looking forward to getting back and seeing seeing the folks in Pittsburgh. And um, I'm excited to watch the, you know, the Panthers again do their thing. And I'm excited to watch the Steelers, too. I mean, they got a really, really good group of talented players over there. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about just sports in Pittsburgh in general. All right. Well, hit that subscribe button to everyone watching. Yeah, hit that subscribe button and uh, follow us on all of our social media platforms. We have all of your Pittsburgh sports coverage on the Post-Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network. Take care. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette.